It's really easy to think of the midlife transition these days as just a set of physical symptoms that we either suffer or don't, depending on how lucky we are. But the truth is that it's about so much more than that. This is actually a transition into a new phase of life and one that can be really fraught with resistance and lots of feelings that we don't necessarily know what to do with. So today I've invited a fabulous guest onto the podcast to talk all about this life phase as a rite of passage into something really powerful and amazing and how we can use this as an opportunity to get back in touch with ourselves, get back in touch with our bodies and reduce any of that resistance that we might be feeling. I'll see you in there in a second. Welcome to the Busy Woman's Guide to Fitness and Wellness podcast, bringing you a weekly dose of fitness and wellness inspiration as we explore together how to get motivated and create a realistic and achievable way to stay active within a busy life while stepping away from guilt and the diet roller coaster for good. Together, we'll unpack some of the myths and unhelpful messages from the traditional fitness and diet industry so that you can find a better, kinder, more helpful way to fit exercise and wellness strategies into your life, improve your confidence and feel amazing. I'm your host, women's fitness and wellbeing coach, Alex Hubble, founder of ChickFit, mum of two, and a firm believer that exercise and eating well can go hand in hand with chocolate, wine, and lots of rest to create a happy life. You can find out more about me at chickfit.co.uk or head to my social media channels at alexchickfit. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the podcast this week, episode 85, no less. And this week, I've got a wonderful guest, Laura Valenti, who I'm really looking forward to speaking to, as I know she's going to have some really, really fascinating perspectives. She's got an amazing background in law and human rights. She's worked with everything from Indigenous communities to victims of domestic violence, and those are just a few of the things that she's done. Laura is now a movement medicine dance teacher, a somatic and trauma informed coach and a holistic voice therapist. She became interested in exploring all of these techniques while undergoing treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And now she uses these techniques to help others transform their own well-being as well. And today we're particularly going to dive into the midlife phase. So this is going to be perfect for any of you in your 40s, 50s and onwards, as well about as any of you who are about to enter that phase and who want to be really well prepared for that transition as well. So we're going to be talking all about this phase of life as a real rite of passage into something new. So welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you. I'm really excited to be with you today. Thank you so much. Can't wait to get into this conversation. So um, I think when I was like prepping for our chat and reading through your history, I was like, oh my God, she's done so much. So I was a bit blown away by it all. Um, And I kind of feel almost like there's so much that I can talk to you about. But what I really want to do is kind of hone down from the start into this, to talk about this midlife phase, which is what I really know what we really want to talk about today. So can you tell me a little bit about sort of where this interest came from? for you? Like where, where is this interest in kind of this, this midlife as a rite of passage? Yes. Thank you. Well, it came uh, from my personal journey because as you mentioned, when you read about me, I had skin lymphoma in my thirties because I underwent some treatments with chemotherapy that affected my womb and my cycle. So by the time I think I was 42, I started to notice substantial changes in my cycle. So I knew that I was going to enter midlife somewhat uh, 
prematurely. And so what happened in the meanwhile, because of other life uh, circumstances, I entered in what many describe also as the dark night of the soul. And so at that point, I felt that I had a choice, which it was either, you know, I would collapse on the floor or either I would embrace it for what I strongly believe that it is, which is a rite of passage threshold and initiation. And what was happening for me, it was that I was sensing that it was coming to surface. It was all the undigested material from childhood, all the trauma, all the grief, all the parts of me that I banned, numbed, repressed, that were hidden, were coming as a guest in my living room. Mm -hmm. And particularly chronic depression that it has been underlying, you know, my own life and affecting also my life as an adult, which was certainly connected to my mother dying when I was a child. And uh, because of my background and the things I've done and the journeys in the Americas and because of the relationship with some of my teachers, some of those uh, are in uh, South Africa and work with a very different cosmology compared to, you know, the spiritual understanding that we have in the Western world. I came to this understanding that somewhat the discomfort that was arising was also related to the fact that in this part of the world that we did lose the rites of passages, we lost the ceremonies, and we lost the spiritual maps to navigate this transition. Mm -hmm. Then I became very passionate to create those maps for myself, to reach out as I could to elders, basically, and to navigate this life cycle in a way that was more dignified and empowered, because I believe that historically, and certainly in other older and tribal traditions, women had a pivotal role when they entered, you know, midlife. They became the elders. They became the ones who were the gatekeepers, you know, of the wisdom. They had a role that it is lost somewhat. And so my personal and professional journey, they've been always intertwined, you know, and connected. And so I became passionate about working with other women in this way, because I think that our role, it is really crucial in this moment of change. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, you know, some of the stuff you say there about this, this idea that we try and uh, almost deny, repress this, this kind of change that we're going through is so true. Like so many women I speak to, they're almost in denial. They're like, I don't want this to be happening to me. I don't want to be getting older. This is a sign that, you know, I'm, I'm old basically. And, you know, things are changing. You know, one of the big things that women always talk about is weight gain, for example, is like, I'm gaining weight and I don't know what to do about it. And I feel awful about it. And, and it's almost like, like we, we're fighting it, we're we're sort of fighting against it because it's bringing all these things that we don't want. And you know, the fact of the matter is, it's going to happen whether we want it to or not. This thing is happening, so we need to sort of start to think about how we can embrace that. So, for you, sort of, what are what are some of the ways that, or some of the challenges, I guess, that women do have at this stage that maybe they don't expect? Because I always think that we see it. Menopause is like this just list of symptoms that happens, right? But it's about so so much more than that. So, what do you think are some of the other challenges that women are having at this time? 
Well, I feel that the turmoil, you know, it's uh, psychophysical, it's emotional, it is also spiritual. So there are physical changes obviously happening, you know, there are drops in hormones and progesterone and estrogen and testosterone and many things can happen, you know, the sleeping style can change and can be interrupted and somewhat that can be a surprise for a lot of women and that it was also for me because I've been always such a good sleeper. <laughs> You know, and suddenly I'm waking up at three, you know, in the morning regarding food. Also, uh, you know, I'm Italian, I love food, you know, I love carbs, <laughs> you know, pasta, pizza, all of that. Yeah. Till I was 41, I believe I still could eat all I wanted without putting on so much weight. And now it's different, you know, I put on weight much more easily and it's more difficult to shed it, you know. So this calls obviously for more attention in relationship to taking care of our health. Mm. Many people, many other elders speak about this and say, this is a time for radical self-care yeah. and self-care is no longer negotiable. So mm. many of us reach this age, you know, and perhaps, you know, we didn't think about it when we were younger, but this is the time, dear women, to pose to take it as a pose and reflect. Mm. And some of the changes, as I said, some of the turmoil in my experience, and it's, it's also my one of my main areas of interest is also spiritual. I heard so many women talking about the fact that, you know, they led, you know, a relatively good life. They've been successful women and suddenly they fall into pits of despair. And that may come unexpected, particularly for women, you know, who had a lot of strength and resilience and a really strong drive. And so this is the moment when all the things that have been bypassed before mm. come to surface. Mm. As I said before, either we embrace it or we risk to, yeah, to enter in a place of resistance that is going to complicate things mm. even more. Mm. And so it's a journey somewhat also in the darkness, but in the darkness as an ally, not as something to be scared of. You know, and again, I think particularly for women, you know, entrepreneurs or women who have been traveling, I can imagine your audience is an audience also of women, you know, who are creative and do many interesting things. It may come to, it may come as a surprise to feel a certain amount of discomfort. Yeah. And this is a call for attention simply to bring more consciousness and healing to patterns mm -hmm. that sometimes come also from the past. Yes. So I hear a lot of women telling me that they're surprised in their understanding that some of the stuff that comes through, it is also ancestral. Or it also relates to their uh, family constellation, so to speak. So all the stuff that is related to our sisters, our mothers, our grandmothers, that somewhat, you know, it's uh, out of balance or it has been passed with pain from one generation to another. It's really reappearing and sometimes it kicks and scream in our system. So it's really calling for our attention. And I think sometimes when we try and resist, like it makes it worse, doesn't it? Like that resistance creates, it just creates more of more of the same, really, I guess. So how do you kind of help women to get past that 
resistance part because we're all going to have it like I think you know it, it would be a silly thing to say that we will we will not experience any resistance at all and that we can just go through it and we can just go yeah it's going to be great and fine of course we're going to have that so how do we how do we and can we sort of navigate through that resistance and, and sort of come out the other side of it thank you yeah first of all every journey is individual mm-hmm. Another thing I feel strongly, it is that the journey is cyclical and it goes in spiral. So in spirals. So sometimes the resistance comes because we live in a society that is built according to different models that make us think that we need to go in a straight line from A to B. This is not part of this life cycle. And on the top of that, there is something in relationship to the resistance about trusting. Is about trusting the unknown, actually. is about uh, hanging on there in the discomfort and in this fire of initiation because it is an alchemical process. And it is about trusting that whatever is happening, there is a greater intelligence at place that is moving inside of us, even if the journey, it is messy because sometimes it gets messy. And because we are deconstructing somewhat also our identity or structures in our life or the way we relate to the world, it's a little bit like being, you know, when the butterfly before being a butterfly is in the cocoon. And in the cocoon, there is a very strange chemistry happening. There is a liquid and then, you know, cells eating themselves, you know, it's messy. Mm-hmm. To push against it, you know, as you said before, what we resist persists is going to create additional suffering. And another thing that for me it is essential is the community aspect of it. So to find a way to navigate this resistance, I think that it's crucial to reach out to other people, seniors, elders, talk about it, break the taboos, you know, speak Mm -hmm. about uncomfortable things, speak about uh, maybe also, you know, certain things can happen also in our vaginas, you know, and we don't even say the word vagina, you know, Mm -hmm. I also weird about you know the urethra may prolapse a little bit and we can become more prone to infections for example so i think the resistance is also connected to the secrecy to the shame and to the bat to the taboos the no the more we speak about it the more we normalize it the more we can give and receive support Mm -hmm. and the more we can give and receive strength Mm -hmm. and the more we can rewrite this time of our life in a more beautiful way so then we can create the new way because we need collectively the new way Mm. so another way to look about it to melt the resistance is to think that you know we're we're together in that Mm. and the women struggling you know you're not alone yeah we are together in this and we really need each other to move forward in a way that is more you know more full of purpose yeah. And I think, you know, some of the stuff you say there about, you know, it's it's like this cycle, it's this spiral, it, you know, sometimes it is going to be messy. I think that, you know, we, I've talked about this before on the podcast is, you know, we live in a, a very kind of masculinized society, which is the same every single day. And we're expected to be and perform at the same level every single day. But, you know, particularly as women, that's not 
you know, even for men as well, actually, but particularly for women, it's not something that we we can do, that we're, we're kind of even able to do. So we're trying to shoehorn ourselves into, you know, like you say, this kind of transition from A to B and expecting that there aren't going to be any, you know, issues that come up along the way or any roadblocks or anything like this and kind of understanding that actually it's not, it doesn't quite work like that. You you will cycle through things and you will discover new things and you will discover new resistance and, you know, all of those kind of things as you go along. And it's not, it just is not a straight, a straightforward journey at all. And I think sometimes just the awareness of that and knowing that that is the case in itself is really important, right? Yes. Yes, yes, big yes. I was about to respond and add to that because the resistance I feel also can be melted when we pay attention, knowing also that if we prepare for this stage, even if it's uncomfortable, I hear from elders that then we will be settling. You know, this is not going to last forever. The preparation for the second part of our life is a preparation for becoming that wise elder, you know. And there is something about giving attention consciously to this passage and honor it versus being distracted and just in distress Mm. and fighting it and thinking that, okay, this is just, you know, terrible. Honor Mm. it, honor in honor it, honor it. Yeah. it. <laughs> I'm getting this complicated again today with my English, but to honor the process, it's uh, it's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that is so important because we, you know, like, like we said, we tend to sort of bury ourselves, or you've just said, we tend to bury ourselves in almost the day-to-day. We try and carry on in exactly the same way that we always have, like when we were around 20s and 30s and into our early 40s. And we want to be able to just carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on in the same way. And it's almost being able to take a step back and say, actually, what is it that does need to change? Like, what information am I getting here? And it's this is not about you loving every minute of it and enjoying it and being this goddess and, you know, all the time and stuff. It's like, sometimes it's going to be just crap. It just is. But I think, yeah, just the knowledge of that in and of itself, I think is is so, so helpful. So I just wanted to move on a little bit to talk a little bit about the the somatics and embodiment work that you do, because obviously that's a big part of this. And it's it's something that I, you know, I don't fully understand. And I know that, you know, some of the, the listeners don't necessarily fully understand. They may have heard of it before, but don't fully understand what it is. So can, before we talk about how it can be helpful in midlife, can you talk a little bit about like exactly what it is and what it actually involves? Yes. So there are many ways to work with somatics and embodiments. And obviously there are many philosophies and school of thoughts. Somatics, the word in itself, it comes from the Greek word soma, that means body. Somatics, it means to befriend the body in a way that is not uh, academic and is not top-down process. It's about inhabiting the body and making friends with what is arising. It's an experience. It's an experiential process. It is a bottom-up process. It is not about people telling us what is wrong inside Mm -hmm. us when we feel something. On the contrary, it's a process to, it's a tool to train the muscle of self-validation 
and to become more familiar with not only our body as a whole, but with sensations that arise within the body. Because in that way, we can gather valid information about ourselves. And when we do that, there is also an invitation to drop judgment and label things as right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about expanding the possibility to inhabit ourselves more fully mm-hmm. so that we can have more choice and agency in life. Because we are always responding to something. Also, you and I in this moment and our listeners depending on what we are saying, on in response to a certain words, we're going to have a, you know, physiological, you know, triggers, something is going to move inside, whether we are aware of it or not. In fact, most of our physiological responses happen below the surface of consciousness. So somatics, it means also to develop uh, practices to just using like a a lens, like uh, an investigator, so that the light of consciousness can expand a little bit more and we can become more compassionate with ourselves and with others. It is also, I feel, a tool also for for empathy. Mm -hmm. And it is good to get to know ourselves better, to understand why somewhat we feel in certain ways without attaching a story to it. This is not about going into stories. And it is also about reclaiming a language that is somewhat is a paradox and a contradiction because I'm talking about a language which is pre-verbal. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Like you talk a lot about the sensations in the body. And I think that, I mean, that's hard. That is hard for women these days because, you know, I talk about this a lot in respect to things like food, for example. So, you know, so many women have spent so many years trying to control what goes into their bodies and like not listening to things like hunger signals and stuff like that and and listening to what our body actually needs from us. And so we've become very disconnected. And then you add things like stress into the mix as well. And the fact that we go hard at it every day and it's not, you know, it's not really our fault. You know, it's what society demands of us. It's what our jobs demand of us. It's not, you know, society is not set up to to allow us to almost listen to ourselves. And I think that, you know, for a lot of women, particularly by the time they get into their 40s, it's like all of these things are piled one on top of the other. And we feel very, very disconnected from our bodies and from what our bodies are telling us. So are there a couple of like simple things that we can do to start just getting back in touch with ourselves again? Because, you know, going all the way to, oh, start listening to what your body says. It's like easier said than done, right? So what are a couple of the simple things that we can do? Well, what you're asking, it is somewhat related to what we were saying before and also cycles and spirals and not going in a straight line from A to B because midlife is asking us to become more cyclical and understand better life cycles. And that means that there is an invitation actually to slow down. Mm. I'm not able to listen and pay attention unless I slow down a little bit. So the first invitation I would make it is just whenever you can slow down and whenever you can just add just a 1% more yeah. because it can be also overwhelming to think like, oh, I don't know how to do this and then how to go there. You know, what am I going to do? It can feel difficult. So having a moment in the morning or in the evening when, you know, 
perhaps is the time when people are preparing to go out for work or rest, just taking a moment and just notice. We can even do it now because it's going to help me too, you know, just uh, sensing, for example, the sitting bones, Mm -hmm. sensing the feet on the floor. And if you're leaning on a chair, something that I love to do oftentimes with women is just uh, lean a little bit and just sense the point of contact between you and the chair and see if you can ask your back. I know it may sound strange. Mm-hmm. You can ask your back just to open up to sensing that point of contact and that support so that your whole system can open up even if it is 1% more to receive that support. Mm. Because many of us suffer for that lack of support Mm. from the past, the demands that life put on us. And there is a say from a tribe in Indonesia that says, knowledge is a rumor until it lives in the muscle. So what we're doing right now, as simple as it is, we're slowing down a little bit also in our conversation. And we are having a sense through our back to actually feel kinesthetically and through the muscle. We can also have a little rub, you know, a little bit like a a bear Mm -hmm. rubbing that the back can open up a little bit and truly feels what support means versus having only a generic concept of support. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I will sometimes say sort of in a perimenopause course, for example, is what do you need today? Because often we're like, right, what do I need to do? What needs to happen? What action do I need to take? And sometimes, like you say, it's just simply taking a step back and just going, literally asking yourself for five seconds, okay, what do I actually need today? Or if you're about to react to something or, you know, one of the things that that we often do is like reach for that sugary snack in the middle of the, the afternoon, for example, And almost, I'm not about saying, oh, no, you must stop and not eat that snack and go have something different. Sometimes you just need to say to yourself, okay, what is it that I actually need right now? And quite often, if you just stop and give yourself a second, you're like, okay, this is because I'm bored or because I'm stressed or because X, Y, Z is going on. And I think that's the thing. We reach for stuff to soothe us rather than saying, what is it that I actually need right now? Yeah. Exactly. I feel the same. And slowing down is a way to reclaim that moment of choice Mm. that we mentioned before. And often, I mean, I was speaking just recently to a woman. She was in highly distressed with a lot of trauma history, sadly. And she was telling me that sometimes she cannot physically feel her beating heart. Mm. And that is from a young age when I was very disembodied and dissociated. So another thing that I recommend it is to put a hand on the heart, take a moment, a couple of breaths, and then ask yourself, as you suggested, what do I need? Or what's the wisdom that wants to emerge right now? Because what we are doing, it is also retraining the muscle of trusting our wisdom because it's there. And so in a way also to look also at what is already working, you know? So another thing that I sometimes ask it is just sense if there is any place of ease in the body, you know, or any place of comfort so that we can relate to whatever challenge we are facing from a more resourced place. And that could be a tingling sensation or a little bit of warmth or a part of the body that feels a little bit more relaxed because sometimes we are also wired for survival reasons and we have a lot of negative biases. So we are wired to look at, you know, what's negative and what is not worth that catastrophes. Mm. 
So many, many ways. It's a very nuanced and complex conversation, but I hope that I get. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's just it. I think I, quite often with these things and particularly concepts we're not familiar with, it's literally just having having a start point that makes sense to us that we can kind of do very easily and quickly. And, um, you know, I think very interesting what you were just saying there about sort of listening to your heart. Because I think, you know, one of the things I've recognised in myself in the last couple of years is that I'm led by my head all the time. <laughs> like it's all about like, you know, what what needs doing and, and where am I? And, you know, being like trying to intellectualize things. And one of, you know, I was actually journaling about this just last night, sort of saying, I need to stop listening to my head quite so much. I need to like actually listen to myself and learn to like tune into my intuition a little bit more, which I kind of don't know how to do, but I'm starting to try and allow myself to do it. And, you know, I think that's so important. Yeah. Sometimes simply we forget, you know, another invitation I could make to your audience is simply to remember, just remember that feeling of butterflies in the stomach, for example, or remember that feeling when somebody maybe with a very beautiful energy walked in a room and perhaps you felt something warm and tingling in your body. Or on the contrary, you were walking perhaps in a place that you didn't perceive as safe and then there was suddenly a signal or a contraction or a little bit that sense like, ooh, you know, alertness. I'm talking about animal fear. I'm not talking about fear that is, you know, <laughs> a bummer. So we all know it. It's just a matter also of paying attention, paying attention. So when that happens, I also invite you to, okay, pay attention, maybe have a little diary, you know, and see what happens. So you can track it more consciously and rewire your brain by creating new neural pathways, actions, because everything lives out of uh, patterns and habits. So I invite you, another invitation is to pay attention to your posture. I know that for reasons related to my childhood, I had to, you know, hide or disappear or protect myself. So I have a tendency to collapse a little bit in my chest. That is going to impact. I'm already feeling uncomfortable now that I'm doing it. You know, that is going to impact the way I breathe. If there is anxiety, very likely we are not breathing fully. You know, it's going to impact also the way I look at the world. So taking those moments also just to sense, okay, how am I sitting? How is my chest? Am I collapsing? Am I contracting? Mm -hmm. Can I imagine perhaps that my spine is lengthening? So there are really small things that yeah. we can include in our daily life. Yeah. And I love that. And I think you've given, you know, you've given us quite a few things there. So, you know, each person can choose. Actually, that's the thing that sounds to me like is a place that I could start. So, you know, it's not about doing all of those things straight away. It's like going, actually, okay, yeah, I like the idea of paying attention to my posture. I like the idea of just feeling my feet on the earth, like whatever it is that speaks to you. Uh, start there, just start there yeah. and start doing that thing and bringing that, that, um, yeah. that recognition in. Just include that 1% that you can include yeah. right now. Yeah. And then obviously the other thing, the last thing I'm going to say, dance. Just yeah. dance. <laughs> Get the music on and dance around the kitchen. And dance and move your body and reclaim the juiciness in your hips and in your body. Yeah. And reclaim the beautiful woman that you are. We all need to reclaim your body with the whiter, you know, with extra kilos, with the extra tummy, whatever that is. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. Right. Well, I think we could uh, we could probably go on and on, but <laughs> we won't. So before we finish off today, Lara, um, do you want to tell us where we can find out a bit more about you and about what you do? Thank you. Yes, that's very kind of you. Yeah, my website, it's called Elemental Soul Medicine. I am on the same, uh, with the same name on Instagram and on Facebook. And I write about midlife and movement and embodiment and rituals sometimes. And I offer one-on-one work to women, midlife women, who wants to embrace midlife as an initiation. And uh, I will have also a program in January. It's going to be a blend of movement and voice work and somatics for midlife left women who want to reclaim the radical wise wild woman do you know what i uh, i might have to actually get the details from you about that because that sounds awesome um, so thank you so much laura, laura thank you so much laura laura yes like pizza <laughs> I know, I'm just reading it off my page. I was like, no, it's Lara. Um, so yeah, that's been amazing. So, I mean, like I said earlier, midlife is about so much more than just menopause symptoms. And it's such an amazing opportunity for us to bring, you know, much needed changes into our lives and also bring so much more joy in there as well. So thank you to Lara today for shining a light onto that and, and how we can actually think of that transition a little bit differently. And I'm sure you'll agree that this has been really, really interesting. And I have loved chatting to Lara today and I hope you're going to go over and see what she's up to on her Instagram profile and her website as well I'm going to pop the links into the show notes for you as well so do go and check those out but for now I'm going to love you and leave you and I will see you again next week for another solo episode so thank you for joining us thank you so much for joining me today for the busy woman's guide to fitness and wellness don't forget to come over and join me on my social media channels at Alex Chickfit for plenty more inspiration